Lord Jesus, I, I pray that you would have heard this as a prayer from our hearts, that in all we do, we seek to honor you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, as you're seated, I'll release the children through grade four. Children through grade four, as we take a look at our uh, Philippians chapter four. Philippians chapter four. It's been good to be at the Lord's table today, hasn't it? Amen. We're going to close out Philippians today. And so we're looking at these last few verses in chapter 4. It's been a wonderful journey as we've taken a look at the truth of the gospel, the gospel that we just celebrated at the table of communion, and that the gospel changes lives. And it's a, a timeless message, a message that is for all ages and is preserved for us here in God's word in these letters that Paul has written. Last week, we took a look at the truth of standing firm in the Lord together. Today, we're going to carry that on. Today, we're looking at the truth that the gospel brings contentment. The gospel brings contentment, and our, our verse that we're looking at is, stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. And and so this idea that Paul has come to this church in Philippi and he said, listen, you need to be standing firm. He's talking to them about the importance of rejoicing. He's talking to them about the importance of the gospel. And once you understand and own the gospel, it allows you to rejoice and, and that the gospel is what Jesus has saved you by and for. And that we are to proclaim the gospel. And as we come together to do that, that we're able to move move forward the truth of the gospel in the world in a way that could not happen otherwise. So he's talking to this church here at Philippi that he loves so dearly, and he says, let's, let's stand firm in the Lord. And I say he says to do that together. He says, therefore, my brothers, verse 1 of chapter 4, whom I love and long for my joy and my crown, this is how you should stand firm in the Lord. Stand firm in this way. And the whole letter has been a celebration of leading up to this closing where he's giving us these different ways that we can stand firm in the Lord. Now, last week, we took a look at the Trump Tower, and so I pulled up some pictures for you. So, you know, if you've never seen it, this is the Trump Tower, and, and it's there in downtown Chicago, and it's built right along the river. And and uh, the next slide shows kind of how it got built from the ground up. But I, I mentioned um, last week that, that as I walked by, as I was going to Moody and watched it being built, how much work was happening below ground. And it looked like nothing was happening, but there was a lot going on. And the next picture shows this is a, a hole being drilled. And, and there were all of these pillars because in order for the Trump Tower to stand firm where it is, it couldn't be built on the, on the ground that was there. It had to go down 110 feet to get to the bedrock or of, of the solid place where it could be built. And so the next uh, slide shows an eight-foot drill bit that they used to drill down these, these columns. And, and there's 24 of these columns that are 10 foot in diameter, and they hold up a 10 foot thick concrete slab. And then there's another 33 of these that are 8 foot in diameter that are bored down that hold up the columns to hold this tower in place. And they're just loaded with rebar, loaded with cement. I can't even imagine how much cement they dumped down in there. But all of this was put in because these pillars are absolutely necessary if this building is going to stand firm against whatever comes against it. 
And I, I, I urged us to consider that Paul, in these final words and these final exhortations, is giving us pillars that we need to be able to drill down to have in our lives, and we need to get drilled down into the bedrock of Jesus Christ. And if we don't get these pillars built, drilled down, and we don't get them in place, then we will not be able to stand firm. But as each one of us do this, as I do this in my life, I'll be able to stand firm. As you do this in your life, you'll stand firm. As we do this together, because that's what this is all about, then we will stand firm. And as we join with other churches that are doing this, then the church of Christ stands firm. So this is important. And these pillars are absolutely necessary for us. So we looked at six pillars last week. And we looked at these. They were agree with others in the Lord. So to agree in the Lord with other people, rejoice in the Lord, reveal the Lord, let your gentleness be evident to all, Trust in the Lord. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition. So this idea of trusting in the Lord. Thinking about the Lord. Whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Think about the Lord. And then act like the Lord. Whatever you've seen or heard from me, Paul said, put that into practice. Act like the Lord. And so these are six pillars that are, are going around and helping us to be able to stand firm. And if, if any one of these is missing, it causes a weak spot. And I believe Paul, in these last verses, reveals six more pillars that we can take a look at quickly today and see if there isn't a place where we can find out where there's places yet where we need to drill down into the bedrock of Jesus Christ. And this is what I, this is what I believe it means for us to be in the Lord. Okay? Verse 10, chapter 4. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you've renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content. Whatever the circumstances, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share with me in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need." Not that I'm looking for a gift, but I'm looking for what could be credited to your account. I have received full payment, and even more, I'm amply supplied, now that I have received from Epaphrodites the gifts you've sent, their fragrant offering, acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. To God our Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet all the saints in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me send greetings, and the saints send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. God, as we look at your word today, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would illuminate this for us, 
I pray that you'd touch our lives with the truth of your word. Lord, it's been so amazing to be at the table of communion and recognize that you gave your life for us so that we could live for you. And I pray, Lord, that these words today will help us know even better how to live for you, not out of obligation, but out of response of our love for you. So lead us, guide us, Lord, as only you can. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Stand firm in the Lord together. The first pillar that we'll look at today, which is the seventh one, is to be concerned for one another. And Paul says, I rejoice greatly that you have at last renewed your concern for me. Now, we've got to be careful how we read this. It's not that Paul's writing to this church in Philippi and saying, about time, where have you been? Okay, and if we're not careful, that's how we read this, okay? But that's not what he's saying. What he's saying here is that he's so grateful. He's rejoicing, again, in the Lord, not in what the circumstances are, but he's rejoicing in the Lord because he understands and knows, remember how intimately he's involved with this church in Philippi, and he knows them all so well. And so as he's, as he's writing to them, he's heard a report back from Epaphroditus, and he knows of the persecutions they've experienced, the, the poverty that they've had, and all of these areas in their lives where they've, they've been under great, great struggle and trials and so Paul is saying, I'm rejoicing in the Lord that at last you've come to a place in your situation where you've been able to renew your concern for me because I know how concerned you've been. You've been so concerned, but you've been unable to show it. And I'm glad that the Lord has allowed that you could show that now. And in this, we learn that we need to be concerned for one another. Just as these, this church in Philippi was concerned for Paul, Paul was concerned for them and following along what was happening to them. So a question we can ask ourselves in this is, how concerned are we about others? How concerned are we for one another? So as, as Tim comes and he shares about Garth and Rachel in Indonesia and, and the drought that's there since 1997, and, and gardens that are drying up and missionaries who are, who are getting discouraged to the point where they don't think they can take it anymore. How concerned are we about that? Is it just, well, that was nice to hear. Two weeks ago, we had Rex Rogers here talking to us about the fact that the Arab world is, is not being as impacted by the word of God as it could be. Are we concerned about that? Does it concern us? When the earthquakes hit and we hear it on the news, when the, when, the, when the hurricanes hit, when the typhoons come, does it concern us? Does it concern us when, when we hear that there's people who aren't hearing the word of God? Are we concerned by that? We have people who have asked for rides to church. And, and it goes in the bulletin. It's there for weeks. Are we concerned about that? Are we concerned that some of those who've called Calvary home are shut-ins and can't get here? Are we, are we concerned enough that, that we could stop and get them? Are we concerned about that? How are we concerned for one another? And, you know, the big question, what matters when I'm no longer of concern to myself? Right? When, when my concern about myself takes a back seat... What begins to matter then? Do I shop differently? Do I, do I look at others differently? Do I watch the news differently? What matters when I'm no longer of concern to myself? 
a pillar. We need to get in, concern for others. The next pillar, this learning the secret of being content, this pillar that can, can be down into the bedrock of Jesus Christ. Paul says here, I've, I've learned the secret of being content. And, and I love that. I love when he expresses that. Because he's real quick to tell them, listen, thank you for your gift, but, but it's not, I'm not saying that because I was in need. You know how sometimes, you know, somebody will come to you and say, wow, thank you for that. You know, if I say thank you, will there be more coming? And Paul wants to be really quick here to say, listen, no, no, that's not it. Thank you. Thank you that, that God was able to, to minister through you. But I'm not saying this because I was in need. Because listen, I'm content. I am absolutely flat out content, Paul says. And he says, I, I know what it is to have a lot. I know what it is to have little. I know what it is to be hungry. I know what it is to be so stuffed you can't move. I get all that. Now, I don't know. Paul, apparently, when he was young and, and, and you know, he was a Roman citizen, and, and he apparently had some sort of affluence. He had a, a period in his life where he had much. And as he writes this, he's writing from prison where he has nothing. And he says, circumstances aren't what bring my contentment. The secret of my contentment is not that it comes from my circumstances or the situation that I'm in. I've learned the secret. And the secret is, is in being Christocentric in my life. Ugh, it's a big word. Christocentric or egocentric. What's your perspective on life? For Paul, he was focused on Christ. He wasn't focused on himself. And when you're focused on Christ, you're able to find contentment, the secret of contentment. He says, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. He has learned his contentment comes from leaning on Jesus, who alone is the one who can bring him strength. In Psalm 59, David says this. He says, oh, my strength, I watch for you. You, O oh God, are my fortress, my loving God. O oh, my strength, I sing praise to you. You, O oh God, are my fortress, my loving God. I watch for you. O oh, my strength. David had come to a point where not only was God his strength, he was his strength so much that he gave him the name strength. In the moment of his weakness, he cried out, God, you are my strength. And Paul illustrates this for us in telling us, listen, I've learned the secret of being content and it's found in Christ. And what does that mean? And you see the difference between contentment and complacency. Contentment is saying, I understand. Complacency is saying, I don't care. And contentment brings a calmness. And complacency brings bitterness. And so if you've settled into a situation in your life that's, that's bringing you anxiety and you just say, okay, well, fine, I don't care anymore. That's not contentment. That's complacency. And how is Paul able to find this secret? I'd suggest to you that Paul had learned how to rest in the providence and the power and the promise of God. The providence, 
the promise and the power of God. He rested in that. He knew that the situation he was in was a situation that, that happened because of the providence and the power of God, and he trusted in the promise of God. So how does this play out in our lives? So last Monday, I go for my PET scan for the cancer. What's going on with the cancer? On Wednesday, I go for the report. And so I go to meet with a doctor. And I, I love meeting with my doctor. And so he starts by telling me that it appears that there's been a slight growth in the activity of the cancer cells. Cool. And he's talking about how they're doing this and that. And I'm like, all right. And, and, and he looks at me and he says, you really don't care about this, do you? I said, no, I, I really don't. And he said, well, there's some new medications coming. I said, you've been telling me that for two years. He says, I know. And... And, and he said, this new medicine will be, will be more efficacious. I said, whoa, that's a great word, efficacious. And he looks at me like, you get excited about the weirdest things, okay? <laughs> but you see, efficacious, I had never heard anybody use that outside of theology. Efficacious is, is an amazing word, and, and I love it. And you always sound so intelligent when you say it. You know, I mean, it's not just supercalifragilisticexpialidocious that does that for you. Ex, you know, efficacious does that as well. But see, what efficacious means here, it means effective. It means that, you see, the death of Jesus Christ is only efficacious for you as you, as you turn to him and repent. And as he adopts you, accepts you into his family. As you receive him and he receives you, then his death is efficacious for you. It's effective for you. Without that, if you have not trusted in Christ, if you have, if you have not received him as your savior, the death of Jesus is not effective for you. You're still lost in your sins. So efficacious is a wonderful word. And so he talked about medications that would be more efficacious for me, but but you see, I'm content. I rest in the promise of God that he will heal my cancer. It's not going to heaven. I, I rest in that. And I rest in the power of God. Because there's not one thing that comes into my life that has not been allowed or decreed by God. Nothing comes into my life that, that he hasn't allowed or decreed. So I've got his promise that it's not going into heaven. I've got his power that's keeping anything coming into my life. And I've got his providence. You see, he's sovereign over everything. And he is working his plan. And there's nothing on earth that can thwart his plan. And if there were any better way for him to be working out his purposes in my life, he'd be doing it. He's sovereign. And he's determined that this is what's best for his glory. So amen, I'll rejoice in it and I'll be content in that. Because I can rest in the providence and the power and the promise of God. Now, listen, that's not a pillar that you put in like that, okay? It's not like you have a doctor's appointment and you think, boy, I think I better get content. Uh-uh, you gotta work on this. 
You need that eight-foot drill bit. You need to get this down. You need to find a place in your life where you're resting on the sovereignty of God. And this is bedrock for you. And you're able to be content whatever happens. Strong pillar. So have you learned that secret of the strength of Christ? Next pillar, share in the work of the Lord. Paul says, it's good that you shared in my troubles. Not one church shared except you. So this is something that the Philippian church did right away. As soon as he went to Thessalonica, they were sending him support. They they were sharing in the ministry that he was doing. They were engaged right from the start. And so they they learned what it meant meant to share in the work of the Lord. They understood generosity. And Paul understood gratitude. Paul refused refused to find contentment in the gift. And they refused to be unwilling to give. They learned the secret of being generous. And that sharing in the work of the Lord is being generous with the gifts and the ability and the talents and the resources that you have and being appreciative for the ones that are coming in from other people. And sharing, you see, that's what sharing means. And you'll remember early on in this letter, Paul said, I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel your fellowship in the gospel, your sharing in the gospel from the first day till now. Because it's all about the gospel. For, Jesus, or for Paul, it's all about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what it's all about. And they share in the labor of promoting the gospel of Jesus Christ. So another one of these pillars is sharing in the work of the Lord. We're moving through these quickly because the Packers play at 7.30. (laughs) Amen. Next pillar. See giving as a sacrifice to the Lord. See your giving as a sacrifice to the Lord. Paul says, listen, here's the deal. I'm not looking for a gift, but I'm looking for what could be credited to your account. I've received full payment, paid in full, boom. You know, he says, I'm amply surprised, supplied now that I've received from Epaphroditus. So, so here's this, Paul is celebrating, saying, listen, I, I'm good. I've received, and, and, and it's amazing. And, and I believe here, Paul is celebrating, yes, whatever resources they sent, was it food, was it money, whatever it was. But I think there's, he's celebrating also that they sent Epaphroditus with it that he came and and he ministered to Paul. You'll remember in chapter two, we looked at that, how he ministered to Paul. So the the gift was not just what they sent, but who they sent it with. And have you ever thought of how you could be a gift to someone as as you bring something to them? You know, and and Paul expresses that here. And he says, not that I'm looking for a gift, but I'm looking what could be credited to your account and, and that it's a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice. And, and we understand that obedience is better than sacrifice and that actions follow the heart and that outward rituals display something that's happening inside. And so what Paul is celebrating is his prayer from the very first chapter that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you can discern what is best. And so his prayer is being answered as they're growing in their maturity of the Lord and that's showing itself in their obedience to the call of God to give. 
It's an indication of their growth. And Paul says, it's a sacrifice. It's an aroma pleasing to the Lord. Now, we have a hard time with this. If you came in this morning and, and there was a bull up here, okay, and the bull was making some noise and moving around, and all of a sudden I came over here and put my hand on his head and made a motion, and all of a sudden everything that goes along with that happened up here, we'd all have a better understanding of sacrifice, wouldn't we? See, it's all pretty clean now. It fits in a little plastic cup and in a piece of bread. But see, that looks back. So that's what sacrifice was. These sacrifices were needed. And sacrifice was, was a vital part of the life in the Hebrew Scriptures. And Jesus paid it all and, and once for all made the sacrifice so these things don't have to happen, but it doesn't mean that behind Christ isn't that same thought process, that that sacrifice is absolutely necessary for us to enter the throne room of heaven. And so Paul is saying, your giving is an offering of sacrifice, an aroma pleasing to God. And he's saying, I'm not saying this because I'm in need. I just want to... I'm just celebrating that things are credited to your account. Jesus said, don't store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. But listen, store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and, and thieves do not break in and steal. You see, here's the idea. If, if the offering bag goes by you every week and you're not putting anything into it, you're, you're missing out. You're missing out. Listen, the work of the Lord is still gonna happen. You, you will not thwart the plan of God. And, and the work of the Lord is still going to happen, both at Calvary, around the world, and missionaries, and everything else. But listen, you're missing out. Because what could be credited to your account is not being credited because you're not bringing that sacrifice. And so I'm not, and Paul's not, I'm not saying give because we need money. <laughs> Whatever. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, and he owns the hills the cattle are on. Okay? but you're missing on what could be credited to your account. So where could you be giving? And again, it's finances, it's your time, it's your talents, it's, your, it's about having your focus on the gospel and saying, how can I take what's going on in my life and how can I sacrifice that? And, and sacrifice doesn't come from excess, okay? Sacrifice isn't, I've got $20 in my wallet, I'll give you a penny, you, you know, sacrifice is, is, man, I have, I have a lot of things to do today, but I'll step into your life and do this. So how can we do that? Next, give glory to God. Another pillar. Each one of these are pillars. And they're below ground. They're the things that you've, you've drilled down. And they become part of your person and, they're, and they grow into and out of your relationship with Christ. It's what it means to abide in him and him in you. These are pillars that are below the ground. And so when you look at somebody, you can't see that these are the things that they're built on, but they're the things that hold people fast who've given themselves to the Lord. The next one is give glory to God. Give glory to God. And basically what this means is, listen, I'm not in this for me. I'm in this for Jesus. And I just want the spotlight to be on him. So if you see anything in me that's incredible, then, hey, it's Jesus working in me, okay? And, and that we're each able to say that, that together, as people say, wow, Calvary's really cool. It's a great church. And you're like, yeah, it's Jesus, 
okay? It's not anything we're doing. It's what Jesus is doing through us because these pillars are in our lives. Give the glory to God. Not about us, it's about him. Finally, live in love and grace. Paul says, greet each and every one of the saints. Greet them all. Love on them. And, and the saints here are sending love back to you. Even the ones in Caesar's household. Don't forget, Paul, even at the end of his letter, is saying, don't forget, there are all sorts of saints in Caesar's household because I was put in prison. If I had not been put in prison, these people would not know Jesus and you would not be spending eternity with them. You understand, we will be spending eternity with people from Caesar's household when Paul was put in prison because he was put in prison. Amen? And it's okay, it's good, you can be content with that because if there were any better way for God to be working out his purposes in your life, he'd be doing it. And give each other grace. Give each other mercy. All right? We're living in a trouble-filled world. And we need to help each other get these pillars down. And we do that as we decide to lead with mercy and grace. So what's going on in your life? I don't know. You do. Is it undoing you? Is it causing you to be unstable? Is there a doctor's report you're getting? Is there a financial situation? Is there, is there someone next to you that's causing you angst? Is there, I don't know what's going on in your life, but listen, if you get these pillars down, you'll be able to stand firm. Those things won't undo you. They will allow you to, to place yourself into the Lord and find your contentment in him. So worship team comes up and celebrates by singing a benediction over us, and we can sing along if we want. I'd, I'd ask you to consider, as we take communion, when, when I take this, I'm reminded myself, and Jesus didn't die to save me from sin so that I could go on sinning. Jesus died to save me from sin so that I could be in an intimate relationship with him that allows me to establish these pillars in my life so that I stop sinning. Not because of legalism, but because of my absolute adoration of the king who died for me. Amen? Amen. So stand and hear this benediction sung over you and sing along if you know it. <laughs>